0: new members. We've got six people who have become um, members of Orange Crest Community Church, and I'd like to um, introduce them to you and then encourage you to cheer them on as they've uh, decided to make a commitment to becoming members. Um, in the New Testament, there really is an, as, an assumption there that uh, people were a part, they were connected and contributing to local churches in their in their cities. And, um, and so, Church membership is is, um, different than club membership. If you're a member of a club, like 24 Hour Fitness or LA Fitness, where you just kind of go and you take, um, you you know, you go and you use that uh, facility. It's not the same uh, kind of membership as a club membership or a country club membership. It really has this giving and receiving. There's this sense of I contribute and at the same time I receive from it. Um, And so these six individuals, along with uh, those of you who've already made this commitment, um, have decided to um, join with us in the mission that God has given us, which is to share his love with other people and introduce people to, to Jesus Christ, helping them to become fully devoted followers. And so um, there's six people I'd like to introduce you to if you're, if you're one of these six and you're in the room. Would you stand so we can cheer you on? Uh, Janelle Fagg, Cody Flannery, Cassie Casey, Jared Bishop noreen bishop and bria smith thanks guys thanks for being willing to stand up to <clears throat> when i was a kid and I, I became a member of a church i had to walk down an aisle and stand before the whole church like i was the only one <laughs> and it was it was a pretty uh scary experience so but um Today we're we're launching into a new series talking about God's GPS. We're kind of familiar with the GPS now. Um, This isn't mine, but it's a friend of mine's. And this is a Garmin GPS navigation system. Um, How do you know that this little thing is going to be reliable? Anybody had any problems with GPS before? I have. Um. But the GPS is made up of some different parts, you know, for it to work. There's satellites up in the sky. There's some sort of a control system here on the earth. And then there's this little receiver right here. And so those, th- those things work together. And the plan is for you to just, you know, punch in your little destination. And it figures out where you are based on the receiver here. And it tells you how to get to your location turn by turn. It'll talk to you and tells you, you know, how long until you get there, how many minutes, how many miles. It's got nice little voices. You can—I don't know—can you change the voices on these things? You can. It, it's always female. <laughs> That's an interesting thing, right there. <laughs> We're not going to comment on that at this point, but I'm sure there's some significance to why that is. But a GPS system uses—in order for this to work, it needs four satellites. It needs there's 24 satellites up in orbit for. Uh, for us as a country, and the Air Force is in charge of these satellites. They're in charge of like keeping these things there. I'm sure they put them there. I don't know who did it, but they're in charge of that. Well, for this to work, this has to have a a uh, you know a clear path to four satellites, and it needs this digital map. And then that's all it really needs. And then you just punch in your coordinates, tells you where to go. And there's two or three of these different GPS systems that that are kind of main ones on the market. There's the Garmin, which is this. Then there's another one called the TomTom. And then there's, you know, there was one called Magellan. I don't know if it's still making Magellan anymore, but now also we have them in our phones. Some people, anybody have a phone GPS that you actually use? Yeah, some people actually use their phone GPS. But how do you know which one can really be trusted? Um, Personally, I've had some mixed experiences with GPS systems. I've never owned one, and maybe that's why because I usually use them in moments of desperation when I really need something. I'll be with someone and we need to find something. One time we were with the group of people who started this church. There was uh, seven of us adults and we were on our planning retreat in preparation for beginning the church here and we were down in Oceanside at my sister's house retreating there while she was gone and we were hungry and it was late at night. We'd been planning and working on things, I think, and then... Everybody needed to eat, and it was really late, and so somebody had a phone GPS, and we're, he says, "Well, I can find an El Torito, so get us to El torito, we're starving we're famished, it's late. You know we're all we're going to pass out if we don't get there and' there's, the ladies were you know everybody was really anxious to get there, so we, we drive in the car, and um, it takes us into this kind of neighborhood that you wouldn't expect to find in El Torito, and we we pull up. Eventually, it says that you're going to be there in you know just a minute, and you're finally there. And there it is, El Torito Carniceria. You know, it's a it's a meat market, and it was shut down. It wasn't even you know what we were looking for, so we were at the wrong place. You know, another time I was running late. I pretty much had bad experiences with GPS, but I was running late to a wedding engagement um, dinner in Newport Beach. And we had the address. I'm not real familiar with how to get there from San Diego. I was at my sister's house again. This is a common theme. My sister's house. But she says, Here, take my GPS. Okay. So we put it in the car, we punch in our coordinates, we race through, you know, Oceanside and all the way up San Onofre, hit the five, follow the directions, it puts us on a toll road, seventy three, I believe, and then we launch into Newport Beach. And it's telling you how much time, you know, what your destination is. And we're like, oh, this thing's going to start. I don't know if it's a surprise. We're going to blow it. Da, da, da. You know, we were freaking out. Again, it sends us into this strange neighborhood. And all of a sudden it says, turn left and drive onto Balboa Ferry. And we're thinking, get on a ferry? I have to get on a boat with my car. <laughs> so we did. So we drove onto this boat. And uh, <laughs> thankfully we had a few dollars. And um and you know what? It took us across the thing, we found our destination and we got there on time. So it was right that time. But we were nervous. And um and then most recently I was out. We were on a camping trip. Some of you were at this camping trip and and some of the guys decided to go fishing and but we're 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 going out to go look for this fishing hole and one of the guys punches in the GPS or I think where we're supposed to go and We're going all over. We're back in the middle of nowhere. I fully expected it to be just like the movies. You know, it was the perfect scene from a horror film because we're in the middle of nowhere. We see this one light, and we're like, okay, you know. So we start going, and we ended up near this light. It was just a strange experience. But anyway, these systems are so common. You know, everybody is starting to have these now. And we really rely on these things. But it's important. If you're going to use the GPS, you need to make sure you find the, the right system. Because if your GPS is faulty, like the map, there's something wrong with it, then you're going to have an inaccurate view of reality and you're not going to be able to find your destination. And in life, it's the same thing. We, we have like a GPS, different things that we trust in life to get us places to direct our decisions. We have some different things that guide our lives. And it's important that as we move through life, we can really trust Our GPSs, those life guidance systems that we use. Um, Because as life rolls on, we make decisions after decisions after decisions. Our lives are made up of millions of decisions. And we end up years down the road and we say, wow, how did I get to this place? The reason we've arrived at the places we're at is because we've made a series of decisions that's led us there. We've trusted in some guidance system Along the way, we believed some things, and, and here we are. You know, there's some major decisions that we're going to face in life. You may have already faced some of these. You know, who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? What's my career going to be? There's some major things that we need guidance. It's, it helps if we have some guidance systems to make those decisions. Should I sell my house? Should I buy a house? Major things. There's also some minor decisions that we make every day what attitude am i going to choose in this situation someone cuts you off on the freeway that's a decision point you have to decide grace or road rage you know you you have to decide you know we have all these little minor decisions and these major decisions and again they add up over time to create our lives and we don't always think about the turns we don't always think about you know what we're doing as we're making these decisions but it's very important Important to ask the question, how do I know which guidance system I can really trust? In your listening guide you can find, since this is kind of the uh, first message of this series, I wanted to kind of explain up front in the beginning of this message just some different life guidance options that we have in our day and age, okay? And so there's some things I'm going to walk through here, some different, just a real brief overview of some of these religious systems. and, And because they all offer a perspective on life, these different things I'm going to talk through. Each of them, you know, will give you directions. And so we have decision. Do I want to trust this system or do I want to trust that system? So let's just look at these. None of these, um, normally in our country, in America, most people don't really follow any of these exactly, but there's influences of these systems. In the media, there's influences in our education system and just in the way we do life. And so, I wanted to just start off with looking at these contemporary life guidance systems. Um, The first there's the the Hinduism and Buddhism. These are different. These are not the same exact systems. Um, But they have some common threads that run through them. Um, So, just a the stream of thought is. Through illusion to extinguish identity. Just to explain this briefly, this whole world is an illusion. The belief system here in the Hinduist, Hindu and Buddhist um, beliefs is this world. What we see is just an illusion. What you see is not real. Matter of fact, you are not real. So it's a process of learning to control our minds, our thoughts, and our emotions, and the ultimate destination, you're moving through life, and the ultimate destination is to um, be out of the picture, is to have your identity extinguished, um, to be in a state of, of where I don't exist anymore. And so that, there's a guidance system that um, those who would follow this would subscribe to. Um, you know, at the end of my life, something goes on, but that something is no longer me. That's not what I call me anymore. That's just, that's not, you can read books on this if you want to see all the details, but that's just a summary of what what that system is all about. Steven Seagal, he's a Buddhist, um, and if you watch any of his movies, there really is a sense of, you you see this system throughout his movies. Um, Another life guidance system is Islam. Islam. Islam worships one God, Allah. Um, You may have read, um, right, it's really hard to get a feel for what, an Isla- what the Islamic beliefs are because of the spins that the media takes. And so if you want to understand it, you'd really need to look at some books that aren't biased. Um, but just to sum it up, ritual obedience to enter a heaven of physical delights. So obedience, strict obedience to avoid divine displeasure. If you don't obey, then, then Allah is, is not happy. The hope really is that over time obedience will earn entrance into a heaven where there's just physical uh, delights, tremendous physical delight. And the focus right now is on obedience. I need to do, I need to do certain things ritually, working to earn Allah's approval. And so I was um, just um, reading some things and studying in, in you know. In some books that talk about the Koran, I, and I, I stumbled upon this. This is an interesting uh, statement out of the Quran. This, this You don't have this on the screen. But for Christianity, obedience, we talked about it last week. Obedience out of gratitude. We obey out of gratitude, out of having a real relationship with Christ. So we obey Him. Um, for, the, for the Islamic person, or for the Muslim, they're obeying because they're trying to earn approval. And so there's a verse here out of the Quran. It says, "It says, say, this is a from Allah to Muhammad. It says, say, O Muhammad, to mankind. It says, if you love Allah, follow me, and Allah will love you. If you love Allah, Allah will love you. So there is this sense of, unless you do these things, then he is not going to love you. What you find out in the Bible, it's just, sometimes um, people want to lay these systems alongside each other and say they're all essentially saying the same thing. They're really a different flavor in the scriptures. We're going to look at how it's different from that. But, so, Islam is built on man's efforts because Allah is really too high and mighty to relate to mere humans in our, in our, in our disobedience. Another, another life guidance system is New Age. Um, you know, we see this in shows like Charmed, um, Used to be, I don't even know if Buffy's around anymore. But you know, we see all sorts of things about witches and and um, Sabrina. But basically, seeing the world and the universe as having different layers or levels of consciousness, and so you can kind of travel back and forth between tr- tracks of reality and consciousness. Uh, the focus is this: is godlike power, having godlike power by magic, drugs, and spirit guides. Um, spirit guides, those are beings who who don't have a body, um, but they're active in our world. And um, so, New Age beliefs, they have a certain, again, there's a prescription for how to do life. If you subscribe to this system, then you're going to follow along this path in some ways. On, on TV, it seems very friendly and playful, you know, teenage witches and all that, it seems really playful. But there also is a a real dark side to this guidance system that you have to be very careful with. Um, At death, with the New Age beliefs, you become like like God. Because there's God-like powers, eventually in death you become like a God. Um, It's in Star Wars. Um, Star Wars has some New Age themes that run throughout it. And in Star Wars, at the end of, uh, I think it's Star Wars 4... Correct me if I'm wrong, Star Wars fan. Um, there's this example where, a uh, six, he says six. No, but Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's, he's just about to be slaughtered by Darth Vader. It's four. That's four. <laughs> and he says, he says to him, if you kill me, I'll come back far more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And what's more powerful than we can possibly imagine? G- a god. Yeah, he's saying, I'm going to come back more powerful. But Star Wars, another, you know, it's just an example of, of a movie that, that subscribes to this um, New Age life guidance system. Another one is atheism. Atheism sees the world as operating. It's, it's this physical system that's operating. It's in motion, but it does not have a practical purpose to it. We're just living without purpose. And so it uses reason and emotions, emotions to enjoy life before final annihilation. Um, so the, the focus of a lot of the shows on TV that we see have a pretty atheistic feel. It's just enjoy your life right now because this is all that really matters. There's nothing that happens. You will be done and dead and then that's it. And so another one, following Christ, walking with God, by trusting Christ in a world impacted by spiritual evil and an eternity enjoying God. That's a summary of what it means to to walk with with God. You know, you, you trust your life to Jesus Christ. You do life His way in a world that is corrupted and is, is becoming more and more evil. But outside of this world is eternity with God. And so... Which, which one of these are we supposed to choose? There's, there's all these different systems. Which one has the right map? How do we know we can trust any of them? If you're looking for a book, there's on the back of your listening guide, there's a resource. So What's the Difference? By Fritz Ridenour. You can read this book if you'd like to just see you know, details comparing the major world religions and what they, what they believe and what they lead to, what, what some of their thinking is, so that you can really investigate what you believe. So you can understand what you know. But which system should we trust? Which one accurately maps out how life works? Uh, Most Americans don't really subscribe to the the first four of these in full. Most Americans don't. Um, They operate from something else. Something a friend of mine likes to call the DOS. The Denver Omelette System. The Denver Omelette System. You've all had a Denver Omelette, I think. Or you at least have seen a Denver omelet, right? It's got egg. It's got some green peppers, some onions, a little bit of chopped ham, some cheese, and boom, mix it all together. You've got this omelet mixed full of these different goodnesses. And that wasn't a word, but, but it's just this melting pot of, of ooey stuff into a good omelet. The Denver omelet system. This is really something that in America we tend to do. I want to show you a a video that illustrates one of the main parts of the Denver Omelette system. So, take a look at this video from the Pirates of the Caribbean. How would we find it? With this, my compass is unique unique here having the meaning of broken. True enough, this compass does not point more. Where does it point? It points to the thing you want most in this world. Are you telling the truth? Every word. And what you want most in this world is to find the chest of Davy Charles, is it not? To save Will? By finding the chest of Davy Charles. Games, come, have our headache. finally. <laughs> so there's supposedly in this movie, there's this compass that it, it leads you to the thing that you really want. It leads you to what your heart desires more than anything else. Now we know that that's a movie, um, but in real life, we, we tend to use this system, the Denver Omelette system. It's... Idea fragments mixed with lots of desire. We get some different ideas from all over the place. We mix it all up with what we really want, and then that begins to set the direction for our life. We get a few ideas from mom and dad. We get a few ideas from you know, friends that we grew up with. We get a few ideas from movies. You know, We see a good movie and we think, man, that really helps me with my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jot that down in my memory. We get a few ideas from some cool teachers in the past. Just some stuff we heard along the way. We're sitting in Starbucks one day and someone's talking about something interesting. And, you know, we jumble all this stuff together and then that's, that begins to guide our life, the Denver Omelette system. And this guidance voice, it, sound, it, says, it sounds a certain way. You know that you're operating with this guidance voice when you begin to say these things or you begin to think these things. Do what is really on your heart. Just do what you really want. It's a very popular way of thinking. Just do what's on your heart. Or there are plenty of reasons to do this or that. Or if you're a Christian, the third one, sometimes it could sound this way. Why would God have put this desire in my heart if he didn't want me to do it? The question then becomes, well, how do I know if God really put the desire there? Or someone else did. Because I, I've got some desires in my heart currently that if I followed my desires, I would ruin my life. I'd ruin my family. I'd ruin my future. And the same goes for all of you. We have some things in our heart. We're a mixed bag. We've got some good stuff in there that God, if you have if you are a Christian, you've decided to follow Christ, then He's come to live inside of you. He's brought some good things. He's brought with He's, he's come in and he's brought the possibility for a new life, a new direction. But there also is this stuff from the past that stays that we've got to wrestle with as long as we're alive. And so we're a mixed bag. We've got these desires wrestling inside of us. So to just trust what's in our heart is not necessarily the best idea. That's this Denver Omelette system. And the problem with this with, with the system is this. It's ruin. The problem with the DOS is ruined. Proverbs 14:12. It says there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. You know, there's some things that just make perfect sense to all of us. And we think it's going to bring our lives together. We think and this is but we've created these these ideas. We mix a lot of different ideas and we've got some desires and then we chart out a course for life and it seems right to us. But the scripture says There's something faulty about the system. It leads to a place we don't want to go. So we've got to be very careful. We've got to be careful what we believe is true just based on our desires. In Great Britain, they've they've been having a lot more problem with GPSs than they have in the United States. But in Great Britain, some faulty systems have created some real catastrophes for people. Um, Here's a couple of news reports. The BBC News reported that A 20-year-old student's car was wrecked by a train after she followed her satellite navigation system onto a railway track. You know. A second thing, another report from the BBC. Drivers following satellite navigation systems through a village called Crackpot, interesting village, have been directed along a track at the edge of a 100-foot cliff. So there's these things that the navigation system isn't necessarily concerned for the person's life. It's trying to get someone the shortest way to his destination. You've got to be careful with what you trust. Whatever system you subscribe to, you've got to be really careful That's not a faulty system. Proverbs 19, 3. It says, A man's own folly, the word folly there could be translated his stubborn self-centeredness. A man's own, just our desire to get what we want. A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. You know, I've gotten to some serious problems and some serious trouble because I've followed the desires that I've had in my heart at times and and then I had to clean up the mess for years. It says, yet his heart rages against the Lord. We go after the things we really want stubbornly and then we don't get them and then we get angry at God. We get angry at Him and we say, God, why didn't you let me... This idea of my heart rages against the Lord is a picture of someone who blows up they're storming. They're so f- furious because they didn't get what they want. Oftentimes, God withholds things in order to protect us. Or just sometimes there's just, it's not His way. But selfish desires plus good ideas and intentions does not equal a good life. They may even take you over a cliff. And that's the thing about this Denver Omelette system, which so many of us, we, me included, we struggle with just wanting to create a life and to make decisions based on some things we picked up along the way, it might just lead us to ruin. So God, God has a different system. Let's look at it briefly. God's GPS, we're going to look at this over the next few weeks in more detail, but the map in God's GPS is God's Word. That's the map, the Bible. The Word of God, what it does is it gives you the layout of life. It gives you the lay of real life. It directs you it gives us, there's not any area in in life that God has been silent about through principle or through specific thing. God speaks about real life, the life that you and I live. Psalm 119, verses 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, or a light for my path. How do you get through the dark woods on a moonless night? If you have a flashlight or you've got a lantern, then you can see where you're at. You know, you can't see all the way through the woods. You can't see a hundred feet in front of you, but you can see a few feet in front of you so you can take the next few steps to know if that's safe. That's the way that the Word of God works in our life. It gives us the ability. It's, it's a it's a lamp to my feet. The picture there is you can see where you're standing. You can see through the Bible. If you'll get into it and get to know what God says in the Bible, you can see what you're basing your life on right here and right now. He shows us where we're at. And then it gives us a little bit of view ahead. It just gives us enough view to take a few steps forward. You know, it, it, it lights up our path. God's not going to give you what's going to happen a week from now, but he'll, he'll direct you safely, you know, for today. He'll d- direct you for the decisions you have to make in those, in those moments when we need to make those decisions. But make sure you've got the right map. John. 8, 31, 32, Jesus is speaking to some Jews, says, to the Jews that, who had believed in him, there was all sorts of Jews that, that didn't believe in him, but to the Jews that did, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. We looked at this last week briefly. And then he says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, we, we really like that phrase here in the West, the truth shall set you free. It's in all sorts of movies. But it's not just the truth of 2 plus 2 equals 4. It really is the truth that of, of God has told us how life really works. And reality. He's laid out reality in the Bible. He wants us to get into the Scriptures, grab hold of the truth, and our eyes, they stay open. So the Word of God, that's the map for God's GPS system. And four things need to converge. When you're making decisions, these four things need to line up with the Scriptures because that's His map. The first thing is this. It's God's people. This GPS just keeps blinking at me. Turn it over. But four things converge. God's people is the first thing. According to the Scriptures, you should listen to your brothers and to your sisters if you're really a follower of Christ. You don't need to do everything that they tell you to do. I know that's the big fear. If, if, I, if I get advice from people, if I begin to take counsel, does that mean I have to do what they say always? No, you, you're, you are held responsible before God to make decisions. But it's important to check in with people on the decisions you're making. Particularly when they talk to you about sin or areas where we're getting off track. Hebrews 3.13, it says, But encourage one another daily, every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know It's easy to get off track. Before we even know it sometimes, we, we don't realize we're in danger. And then we need someone to come alongside us and challenge us and say, Hey, I noticed some things. I noticed you're getting off track in this area. We all need this. This is very, very helpful, especially when the Denver omelet starts talking to you. And you're thinking, Oh, i got to go in this direction. And then a friend comes alongside and, and just shines some different light on it, gives you a different perspective, something you hadn't thought about. We tend to react, though, to input. Someone gives us advice and we think, who are you to tell me this? Huh? Get a clue. You know, Why would you think that you're, you're better than me? We tend to, to feel like it's a, someone's raised themselves up when people try to give us advice. We need to be careful, though, because oftentimes God will use His people to really direct us, to give us solid advice. Now, it needs to be in convergence. It needs to line up with the Scripture. If the advice you're being given doesn't line up with the Scripture, that you evaluate in light of this. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man, he listens to advice. Now, sometimes what we're about to do seems like it's the smartest thing ever thought of. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get these crazy ideas and I think, this is it. This is going to bring it all together. And, and, you know, I start planning my future in my mind around how this is going to affect everything. And that's what this verse is talking about. The way of a fool seems right to him. Sometimes our ideas, they're kind of foolish. But they make sense to us. And, you know, we start thinking, oh, they'll see. They may joke now. They may laugh at me. But I'll be the one laughing later. And, uh, but that's what this looks like. Well, wise people, they, they stop they ask for input. They get advice from people. With the GPS, if you get annoyed with the voice, what, what, what can you do? You just kind of doop, 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 You turn it down to where you can't hear the annoying lady telling you which way to turn. Well, it's the same thing in life. We do the same thing. We eliminate this whole side of God's people. We just shut the voice down, and we decide, I got this. I don't, I don't need input. I don't need advice.
1: So we have to be careful. This is
0: something God has put there to protect us. Another thing is good sense. This is the second thing that needs to converge with God's word, the map. Good sense. God gave gave us brains. He gave us the ability to think, not just so that we could be good at Jeopardy and good at video games, but he gave us the ability to analyze situations, to make prudent decisions. This is a major part of God's guidance. Good sense. Proverbs 27, 2, or 12 says, The prudent, they see danger and they take refuge. But the simple, they just keep going. They just keep on trucking down that road. And, and what happens? They suffer for it. There's ruin. We pay a price. This idea of being simple, what is the picture of someone who's, they're wide open, they're spacious, they're, just, they're open to all ideas. This is Pinocchio. Pinocchio, you remember he wants to go to school because he's a real boy and he goes to school and he's on his way to school, he's got good intentions and then Honest John and another character come up alongside him and they, they drag him away and they tell him you need to go to the theater and, and you know he, he ends up getting hurt through this experience because he lacks the sense that's needed to recognize the danger. God gives us sense. He gives us the ability to use good sense. So exercise it when you're making decisions. Proverbs 14.8 The wisdom Of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Or in other words, the folly of fools is, they won't face the facts. They just they they do not want to look at what is right before them. But the wise person, you know, he gets out of his car when the GPS is directing him down a country road and on a dirt road with a bunch of trees. He gets out of the car and he looks ahead and he realizes there's a cliff right there we're about to go over. He doesn't just keep on trucking and, and go off the cliff. But the foolish approach is to just ignore the obvious dangers and just keep moving forward. The third thing is this. God's Spirit. Again, we're going to look at these in more detail in the weeks to come. But God's Spirit. God actually prompts us through His Holy Spirit. If you've decided to commit your life to Christ, then God's put His Holy Spirit inside of you. And at times, He's going to speak to you. And He's going to to remind you of things that God has said in the Bible. But you've got to be careful. Because there are other sources... There are other sources that want to get your attention here. There's other things that might pop in your mind that may not be God. And so you've got to evaluate the things that come to your heart and to your mind that you feel like might be God. Evaluate that with the Scripture. Psalm 32, 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. In other words, God will guide you if you'll humbly yield your life to Him and His guidance. In other words, sometimes we're just so stubborn about having our own way and getting our desires. We have the Denver Omelette system, and we want, it. we want to work that plan, and then God's trying to direct us in a different way, and we're so stubborn. He's saying, don't be like that horse that's just having to be urgh, muscled around by bit and bridle. Just be easily persuaded by God. Yield your life to Him and yield your decisions to Him. Acts sixteen 7, and 8. Paul, one of the church starters, was planting churches, beginning new works in areas that hadn't been exposed to the message of Jesus Christ. And he comes to this point where he, he wants to go a certain direction. It says, when, the, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. They were heading up towards Asia. But then it says, but the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and then they went down to Troas. God was working out a different plan, leading Paul and his companions towards towards the center of, of pretty much the known world. He was leading them eventually to Rome and to impact more of the Roman Empire, some of the major cities, because that would have greater influence on the future of what God was trying to do through his church. And God knew what he was up to, but but... You know, Paul initially had a sense that he wanted to go a certain way. God redirected him through his spirit. The last thing is this. God may use circumstances. Again, this needs to converge. It needs to line up with the, with the Bible. Circumstances. God does open doors for us. But sometimes those open doors are a test, not an opportunity. And so you have to evaluate. Is this open door? Is this, is this a test? Is this something God is trying to see what I'm made of? to see what is most important to me? Is he trying to evaluate my my priorities? Or is this truly an opportunity he's placed before me? Revelation 3.8. Sometimes God opens doors. Look at this. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. In this case, God was opening a door. But sometimes God opens doors for different reasons. Sometimes... It's, it's merely a test. He's going he's gonna to do a value check on us. He opens up an opportunity. This has happened to me many times in ministry. In my decisions as far as what I was going to do with my life and steps for ministry, That m- lots of opportunities were tests along the way. You'll find in the Old Testament where a man named David, one of the kings, he was the next king. And he's on the run from the current king, a guy named Saul who was a wicked man was hunting him down trying to kill him. David is on the run, he's hiding and he ends up in a cave and he's got a band of men with him. He's in the back of the cave and then look at what it says, 1 Samuel 24. Look at the circumstance that presents itself. It says he came to the sheep pens along the way and a cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. It was a porta potty for Saul. David and his men were far back in the cave so they're hiding in the back of the cave. They can see Saul because if you're in the back of a cave, it's dark. They can't see you, but you can see people coming in, right? Verse 4 says the men then David's men said, "This is the day of the Lord." Or this is the day the Lord has spoke of when he said to you, "I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish." And so then David crept up unnoticed and he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Here's the guy who's been chasing him down for months and he could just stab him in the back and kill him right then and there. First Samuel 24, 5 says, afterward, he, he just he sliced a little bit off his robe and it says, David was conscious stricken for having cut a corner off of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. He is the Lord's anointed. Or lift my hand against him for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and he did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and he went on his way. You see, Even though he had the opportunity to kill him, he recognized that there were some things that God had said that still stood. This was still God's anointed. Now God at one point, at a certain point, God handed over Saul and David took the throne. But this was not the right time. This was a test. God was testing him to see if he would take the shortcut, to take an easy way to get there faster. And this is how it looks in life. Oftentimes the opportunities are... They're just so appealing because it looks like I can get what I really want a lot faster than doing it God's way, the harder way. And we walk through the door, and then the door slams on us, and we get a bloody nose halfway through. And we're in pain. So, again, ask yourself, is this a test or an opportunity? God makes this promise through the Scripture. God's promise is that Jesus Christ is the way. You have to, this is the faith Step to trust your life to Jesus Christ, but Jesus, he you know he he answered when he was leaving and heading, he was going to die and and be ascended into heaven. His followers were nervous that he was leaving, and then Jesus told them, he said, "You know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you stay close to Jesus, he is the way. He's going to lead you safely through life. He wants to give you guidance." today, and tomorrow. As you get to each crossroad and decision point, God wants to lead you at each of those points. He doesn't want to leave you in the dark. Remember, He's promised to provide guidance for your future steps. So there's some things you could do as far as next steps, some things I'd encourage. One would be to maybe memorize Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119:105. 105. It's, it's that first passage that we looked at or one of the, maybe the second one says, your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Just something to keep in mind. I need God's word. I need to be reminded of how important it is to to see what God has said about this. You might even want to get into the scriptures. There's some different ways to do that. I'd encourage you to um, to start where you're at. If, you, if, you're, if you're new to, to walking with Jesus Christ, maybe you start in the book of John, and then from there move to the book of Acts. And then to Romans. That's going to give you the life of Jesus, the history of how the church formed, and then what basic, what Christians believe in those three books. And it's a good jump start. If you've already done that, and you feel like, you know what, I haven't really been spending all that much time getting to know or hearing what God says, then I'd encourage you to maybe pick up what's called a one-year Bible. It's on the back of your listening guide. There's a one-year Bible. Just to give you an opportunity to read through in a healthy way and in a regular way what God has said because you need to know what God has said. So, last thing is, think through where you're at right now, the decisions you're trying to make, and and evaluate those decisions in light of these things. Am I using the map? And how do these four things, are these things a part of that decision, or have I adopted the Denver Omelet system? Because that's really important to to take a look at and evaluate. Father, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your, your goodness. God, we thank you that you... I'm just grateful, God, that um, You do not treat us like puppets and that You don't hammer us with commands that that determine how You'll treat us and respond to us. God, we we are so thankful that You you are merciful to us. You're gracious. You show us kindness, even in times when we just do what we want to do. And God, we, we all recognize how tough it is to um, make decisions, to know that we're making good decisions. And so, Lord, we thank you that you, you promised to walk with us. Thank you for being um, for lighting up our path. Thank you for walking alongside us. Lord, I pray that I know we all have decisions that are right, you know, right before us, Lord, that we're trying to evaluate. Would you help us, God? Would you give us wisdom to know what to do here and now? God, help us to, to evaluate everything in light of your map, your word so that we know that that our choices really are going to be pleasing to you. We thank you, God, for this time of being able to look at what you say in the Bible. We ask that you'd um, help us to take it with us. Remind us of this message as we leave this place. In Jesus' name.